G'day, Darren Mitchell here. Welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. What you're about to listen to is an interview I recently conducted with Gabe Lulo, who is the CEO of Eliup, a sales development as a service organization. And uh, Gabe and Eliup have hired, trained, and managed over 8,000 sales development reps over the years for companies such as Zoom Info, Amazon Web Services, Adobe, just to name a few. It's a fantastic conversation. We cover all things around sales, sales development, um, prospecting, but also a little bit about artificial intelligence and how artificial intelligence is going to have an impact moving forward on the sales game. It's a fabulous conversation and Gabe shares gold nugget after gold nugget throughout the next 50 minutes. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here, and uh, I'm looking at a gentleman on the other side of the world who happens to have a big map behind him, and I've just noticed there's also a guitar. It's a very, very, very good setup you got there, Gabe. Mr. Gabe Lulo, welcome to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Great to have you on. Darren, thanks so much for having me. Uh, and yes, uh, the time zone differences are, are, are quite big, but uh, our conversations uh, you know, are, are very, very cool to have so far, so Looking forward to this. Yeah, it should be should be great. As we were talking about just before we press record, uh, we have no questions. And if you are a listener of the podcast, you know that this is how we roll. It is just whatever comes up uh, and trust in the process that what we talk about will resonate uh, with the listener. So I'm really intrigued because you're one of the first people I've actually interviewed who has such a really interesting background. And can I just ask, that's not that's not a filtered background. You literally have a guitar there, right? Oh, yeah, that's... Really picked gets picked up. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> and I yep. and I can't help but also notice that um I like to take the P1SS out of a lot of executives where when, you know, when they get to the C suite, they've got the big CEO corner office, etc. Uh that plant on your right hand side, my friend, is that real or is that rubber? This is real. It's a real plant. I got my sunlight. I have a lot of plants. I actually have a lime tree in my house and it's fruit bears limes it's an indoor lime tree so yes yeah, we uh I, I so i work from home i don't have a big uh you know 35th floor office here we're a fully remote company we have about 150 employees and uh we uh, are fully remote we went remote actually before covid which i don't okay. know the timing on that was pretty good but uh it, it's uh yeah it's been fun and you know wanted to we live on video as we all do these days all day long so i feel like uh you know I'm Anderson Cooper, you know, on video all day long. <laughs> so I just feel, you know, having a good background makes sense. Man, love it. And uh, I do apologize for my background, as you can see there. Um, my bookshelf. Well, it's filled yeah. with books. Uh, there's a lot of business books there. There's also a lot of books that my wife has as well. But if there you, you can notice just down there, they're all the books yep. horizontally. Yep. They're all the new books that I haven't got to, plus a heap of new books I've just got um, delivered by Amazon. Uh, there's another six there sitting on my desk. So I do apologize for the messiness. No, I like it. I mean, I think it's a good process. You get the book and you put it that way, you read it, and then you put, file it away, right? 
Yes, yes. Exactly. So uh, when I get some time, I am going to uh, clean it up a little bit so it does become a little bit more um, nice to look at, particularly on a video. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gay, we're not here to talk about my bookstore uh, or my bookshelf. Uh, and respectfully, we're not here to talk about your plants. We are here to talk about you and your background, but also the organization that you happen to be the CEO of, being Alleyoop, Sales Development as a Service Organization. Um Lots of interesting topics, and it seems that we're we're both kind of with a sales background and, and a passion around sales. Um, yep. We don't know where this is going, conversation is going to go to, but I do know there'll be some value there. Uh, and I always tend to learn stuff about sales, particularly talking to people who uh, have been running businesses for quite a while. So as we get into this uh, this conversation, love for you just to give a little bit of a background on on yourself, the Gabe, the Gabe Lulo story, um, but also really intriguing to know what what got you to the point where you noticed there was a niche in the marketplace that ended up alley-oop filling that particular niche. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I started off my career uh, with uh, starting my own business in in sales and training when I was in my twenties, and I was uh, essentially I was on the road all the time training other companies' sales teams. So I would be leaving on a Monday and, and flying out somewhere to a city and then coming back on a Friday. And in my 20s, it was fun. I did that for about a decade and a half. And so we had a lot of fun doing it. But again, going into other companies and then training their, you know, whether it's insurance, whether it's real estate, you know, whether it's any type of industry and teaching them exactly the fundamentals of selling. And, you know, then I decided you know, I wanted to settle down. Uh, you know, I was about to have my wife uh, at the time was about to have a baby. And I'm like, okay, I, I want to be present. And so I was looking for something that was in sales and training, of course, and in people and what we were doing, but in a way in which it was more inside sales. And that's where inside sales really started getting some ground. And that when you're talking about the niche, you know, really started with the tech and SaaS companies. Yeah. So they created this new role, which is not new anymore, but sales development reps. And companies really started looking at, okay, let's kind of fragment out the sales process where the account executives uh, are not doing all of their own appointment setting. They're not doing all the prospecting. Yeah. They can focus on why companies pay them and what they're really responsible for, which is closing business. And we can take that p function of prospecting out and not just keep it in the hands of the marketing department, but create a position called an SDR. Mm -hmm. And that was a decade ago. And then so we decided to start uh, building teams uh, as a service of that SDR role. We partnered up with a small company back then called Discover Org, which is now Zoom Info. And we were their SDR agency and uh, started attracting a lot of big brands like Adobe and Ring Central and all these really cool companies, but 60, 70% of most of the companies we work with are startups. Okay. And over the last four years or so, it's been interesting because more and more and more industries, not tech, not SaaS, but other industries are adopting the SDR role. So we've actually been really in hyper growth mode, not because of our own choosing, even though we always want to grow, it's because that role itself is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're just kind of following that industry. So that's what we do and a little bit about my background. Nice. It's interesting you mentioned startups because um, mm -hmm. I'm part of a, a part of an organization over here that does fractional sales leadership and yes. do a lot of work with founders and startup organizations. And I'll be interested in your perspective on this. 
a lot of startups, um, whether it be tech or otherwise, are really good at the technical aspects of their product or their service. It's almost like their baby from, you know, yeah. concepts just right through the, I guess, the cycle. But they don't necessarily have, I guess, the skill set or the capability to sell it and therefore it becomes a very technical product type sell. Um, I think the market has matured to the point where if they can concentrate on being experts at what they're good at, that is their product, and bring in somebody like Aliyoop, an SDR type role who can then sell that because ultimately I believe that sales is problem solving. And if there's a problem in the marketplace, then we need to find and articulate that and then potentially provide a solution. Um, Do you think that the market will continue to evolve, particularly in the startup phase and allow startups and founders to concentrate on developing their, their service or their product and SDRs come in and actually become almost like ingrained in that? in that organization? Yeah. 100%. And it's funny you said that because if I got a, a dollar every time a, a CEO said, oh, I'm the only one to could sell my product, right? So it's like they're <laughs> thinking that, you know, I could never hire a, a sales development rep. They're, they just don't know the industry. They don't know our product. They don't know enough to do what I do. And I have to really teach them, very smart, sophisticated CEOs, that, hey, listen, we're not supposed to be you. We're actually, I always try to, this is my analogy. We're the trailer to the movie, yeah. right? We're the preview, right? We're the 30 second clip. We're the high level punchy trailer. We don't ruin the ending in the trailer, right? We don't talk about everybody dies at the end in the trailer. Like we talk about just the high level things and we are edifying and promoting you, Mr. Founder, if, especially if it's a founder led sales program, right? Small companies. Yeah. yeah. And I say, listen, our job is to just, you know, promote you and build you up and, and tell them why they should spend 30 minutes with you uh, over a cup of coffee on a Zoom call to hear about your product. Yeah. And once they see and hear that, they're like, oh, that makes sense. And they are willing to you know, get out of the way for that trailer portion and then get into the more fundamental, more detail-driven conversations. It's interesting because in my experience, even with bigger organizations, they yeah. are still... And I say this respectfully, they're still drinking the Kool-Aid of the organization and believe they have the best product or the best service in the marketplace and therefore tend to lead all of their pre-qualification questions and conversations about that and it's very product or, or, or service-centric. Right. And it's not about that because I keep saying to sales teams, you come, your customers don't want your product. They're not interested in your product. What they want is a solution to a problem they already know they have or they will know they have after having a conversation with you. So one of the challenges I often give them is, hey, for the next week, see how many sales calls you can make without talking about your product. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And even from the SDR's perspective, I always say it's not about the product, it's about the person. Yeah. Like we're trying to get them to talk to a person, the expert, to in, in to talk about those solutions. To yeah. your point, I, was saw, I saw something on LinkedIn just the other day. It's like, Salespeople have to stop talking about features and, and, and start and focusing on uh, the solution, right? And, yes. and talk about what does this solve yeah. for me? And, and even in our space, it, you know, SDRs are giving away, you know, $20 gift cards to, to Starbucks and SDRs are talking about how it's only a Zoom meeting and selling, like stop selling all of these gimmicky things just to say yes to a demo. Yeah, I just had a guy literally was going to send me like $250 Amazon card just for 30 minutes of my time. And that was his entire pitch. 
Wow. I'm like, dude, I actually, <laughs> I said no to him. I'm like, that's a free 250 bucks, but I don't, I'm not interested just because like, it just was too gimmicky. Right. Yeah. So yeah. give me a call and say, here's why we think we can help your company. I may be wrong, but here's what we think we can do. Yeah. And I'd just listen to learn more just because of that pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, point of clarification, I just wanted, because uh, I've got a lot of listeners in Australia and the the terminology SDA, sales development rep. Yep. Um, do you also sometimes interchange that with BDE or business development executive? Is that Yeah, I mean, positions in our space, it, it's so it's like the same position. So yeah, cool. business development executives, uh, business development reps, some people just call them appointment setters or SDR, yeah. sales development reps. Yeah. So yeah, anyone who is doing the front end of the prospecting and setting up appointments through either LinkedIn, email, or phone outreach, yeah. and their ultimate end up goal is to get that a, a meeting booked as opposed to a sale made. So get the um get the do the as you say do the trailer of the movie, and yeah. let the um let the prime actors the A grade actors come in and on their on their white horse and deliver 100%. all the pictures. <laughs> well, here's the best analogy, and it's the name of our company is Alley Oop. So if you're a basketball fan, right, the Alley Oop is a basketball term, which is the ultimate assist. So we're not the guys slamming it in the in the basket. We're not the the Michael Jordans. We're the ones you know who are throwing the ball up in the air, and then you hopefully do something really good with it. But we're the alley oop, and that's where we came up with it. I love. And did that come from you and your 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 team being uh, basketball tragics? Yeah, yeah. We are we are all basketball fans here in some way, shape, or form, and we have a lot of fun with that analogy. I love it because what I hear from that is. Uh, and and let's be honest, a lot of salespeople love to get the glory of the of the kill or glory of the of the deal, right? Yeah. Um, what I'm hearing there, and we use a lot of terminology in Australia, like the one percenters. Yep. You're like the one percenters that you you create the space and create the environment and give the opportunity for the Michael Jordans to get the glory, but 100%. without you, they don't get the opportunity. Right. Exactly. We're the assist, right? So yep. we're the one passing the ball. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's so important to understand like the role in the sales journey and in the sales process, you know, marketing yeah. has a role, you know, our appointment setters have a role, you know, closers have a role, customer success has a role and you, you know, you, it's like the baton, right? It's a relay. So, you know, marketing passes the baton to us, we should be booking those appointments and then we pass the baton over to the closers and, and the presenters, product ex experts, you should say. And yep. then they pass it on to customer success. And so yep. we're just passing that prospect along and we're just, the you know, usually the, the first step in the journey, we're the, we're the virtual door knockers, right? Uh, trying to get people to say yes. But it's, it's interesting because most of companies, 80% of their time, if they're not separating this to, and breaking it up, they're spending their time prospecting. Yeah. And I don't want to pay a, you know, a six figure earner who's supposed to be a product expert doing demos making phone calls all day long. Yeah. And so we want to separate that out. We'll handle that for you. You focus on what you're good at. And then uh, hopefully that pipeline continues moving forward. Nice. So Gabe, you mentioned a couple of things there. And, and one thing that piqued my interest was was marketing. And then you got your customer success people, et cetera. Um, a, lot of, a lot of leads that come into an organization may be the marketing qualified leads. So there might be some sort of marketing campaign that goes out to build awareness in a marketplace about a particular um, product or a particular service or a specific solution that is designed to solve a problem 
in the marketplace. How much how much of the SDR role in terms of what you guys do? And it probably leads to the, the I guess, the percentage closure in terms of mm-hmm. conversion to meetings and so forth. How important is it to have a good marketing relationship in an organization so that when the SDR does start to make those more qualified outbound calls or outreach type programs, that there's a high percentage of conversion? Because we talk a lot about the marketing qualified leads, but then you've got your sales qualified leads that really are the thing we should be measuring. So what's what's your take on that? And and I'd be really interested in your perspective. It's funny you say that. So we had this old logo back in the day when we first started and it was this guy in a parachute. Okay. And he had this parachute and the whole concept was smarketing, right? And we marketing. actually came up with this word called smarketing and the guy in the parachute was our logo and the whole pitch was like, Hey, we're the guy that will work the go between we'll, we'll parachute in between the war, right? That is marketing and sales, right? Cause you got, you got a war between the two, you know, and we're the wall in between them, right? So you got, you know, marketing throwing the arrows over the wall saying, hey, it's all of, you know, sales fault. They can't close my deals. And then sales is blaming marketing. They're not giving me enough leads. The leads stink, right? So the SDR function, the, the appointment setters, us, is really that glue to keep them together and also not yelling at each other. So I actually like working with our point of contact as the chief marketing officer more than sales sometimes, even though it's not always the case, it's mostly not the case, but I'd rather work with marketing because they understand lead generation. They understand data and analytics and sales. All they want is, you know, qualified prospects, right? But (laughs) we are trying to take those in and we have inbound reps and we have outbound reps. So we handle both sides, but yeah, we're, we, we came up with that word, it's marketing. Maybe we copied it from somewhere else. I'm not sure, but uh, we were using it a lot when we first started and and we still today uh, are the ones that are, you know, making sure that they're both playing nice. Because it's so, um, and there are so many organizations that I've either worked in or work with in terms of what I do, where there's just, there is almost like the chasm between the the two organizations and they right. don't talk to each other and they're very connected. Not at all. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and it's so funny because they, there's, I think they should be the ones who are communicating the most, right? Yeah. By telling, hey, this is what we're listening, looking for. This is what we're needing this for. And that's why we really come in and, and are, you know, we're qualifying those prospects and we're letting marketing know, hey, this is what we're hearing. These are the types of contacts that are coming through. But we want it. This is not our buyer, though. This is who we want to talk to. Yeah. And so that feedback is able to go back to both departments. And together, it's synergistically starts getting them to work together when we're actually the ones uh, handling both. Mm. It's, um, it's as you're talking, it just sounds so logical. And yet, yeah. I think there's so much emotion that's attached because, hey, marketing's my baby, right? Don't yep. know you, you. You haven't been to marketing school, Gabe, so you don't know what a pitch is or what a what a <laughs> what a, a leading uh, leading comment is. Yeah, and the exactly. sales guys are thinking, God, you guys are just so airy fairy. You just you just draw pictures yep. all day, right? We're right. the ones that actually yeah. are the fundamental engine room of the business. <laughs> if only they could just see each other. That can you can work in synergy. You can work in synergy. Absolutely. Yeah. We're the referee. Um, and, and what's cool is we could put data behind it, right? Yeah. So, you know, we can say, okay, this, how, this is exactly how many data points that we had to use. And these are the channels that work. I mean, it's another thing about what we're doing is like we test channels, you know, if we're a lot of 
companies focus all their attention on just email. Some yes. of them are cold calling. Some of them are doing LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, we are, we say we're a multi-channel approach because it, all of those things work, you know, on LinkedIn right now you see, oh, cold calling is dead or marketing emails are the worst or LinkedIn. Is it really effective? And the answer is yes to all of them. They're all good. Yeah. Some are better than others for different prospects. You know, yeah. I, if I call a salesperson, they're probably going to pick up the phone. If I call a CTO, they're probably not going to pick up the phone. So what's the best way to connect with the right people yeah. is sometimes no one ever knows and companies fail just because they don't have, it's not that they don't have a good product. It's not because they don't have a good message. It's just that they're using the wrong channels to message it out. And that's what's important. And they probably don't have the flexibility to notice what's working and what's not. And right. have the, I guess, the wherewithal to actually make the adjustment when they when they need to. Now, having said that, you probably need to give a channel a certain period of time and to test right. it and measure it to say, well, is this making sense for my market? Um, if it is, great, continue because it's persistence. If not, let's pivot, let's change. Yeah, it's so funny because a lot of founders come to us for the not as you, what you would think. They want to make money and they want to close deals and they want to get revenue and all those fun things are the important things. But yeah. a lot of them come to us just to figure out that. Is this a product fit? What is my right channel? I'm trying to get investments. I'm trying to get investors and, and funding, but I need to know these things so I can present this company and this and to get more funding. And I need to, you know, say, okay, we have to put all of our time into this, but they don't know what this is. Yeah. So that's where they, you know, they test and we do A B testing all day long. So, yeah. you know, we're testing out different scripts, we're testing out different messaging, all in parallel and we're sharing those reports and data points to the company. And it's, it's, you know, really, really important. And it's a really, um, it's a really interesting point you make. Cause I know that you've, you've trained, um, coached, hired, managed over 8,000, probably even more than that now. Yeah. SDRs. And, and it's not just the startup organizations, not just the founders, but you've worked for, as you mentioned before, Adobe, um, I think AWS, Amazon web services yep. as well. Amazon web services, Adobe, Cisco. Yeah. Zoom info is a great story too. Now, um, it's funny, they have over 600 SDRs right now internally in their business around the world. And they, they, their first two SDRs were sitting in our business. And we, we ran that agency partnership with them for over a decade, right before they went public. Yeah. Um, and they still run the same exact plays we built them back in the day. So it's very unique on how we've helped those awesome brands scale. Adobe Sign is actually interesting. So well, Adobe Sign, you know, Adobe's huge and they had SDRs. A lot of people say, well, why would Adobe come to you? Because they were very big when they came to us. Yeah. And the reality is, is they whole company, we weren't doing it. We were doing Adobe Sign and they wanted to compete against DocuSign back in the day. Yeah. And so e-signature e platform for the yeah. listeners. And uh, they didn't want it. This is makes sense, right? They didn't want to interrupt their current cold callers day with a new product or a new feature or a new thing yeah. they knew nothing about. So they didn't want to interrupt whatever what was working for their other product segments. And they came to us to test out if this was a product fit and could we take market share away from DocuSign and how could we do it? And so that's what we launched was Adobe Sign. It was super successful. Now it's one of their flagship you know, offerings. And they now have a stack of SDRs internally? Or you yeah, so, so that's what, what's interesting is what we do is all of our SDRs are also hireable. So, at you know, as an SDR, you don't want a lot of some are, but not everyone wants to be an SDR forever. They want to yeah. move on to their career. 
So we also offer a direct hire function. So it's a kind of great try before you buy scenario. So a team of SDRs who are working for you as a client for a year or two and realize, hey, we want to take some of these guys internally here and and bring them in house. You can you can actually do that. So it's it's a great partnership into perpetuity. But it also gives you some great credibility in the marketplace because mm-hmm. they'll still talk very highly of what Aliyup has done and mm-hmm. the culture and the environment. And they'll say, hey, I, I started out as Aliyup as a as a I'm I'm heading the ball to Michael Jordan, but now I am Michael yeah. Jordan. Now I've I've evolved in my career, which actually can create some multi-dimensional sales capability within a company like Adobe. Yeah. That is very, very flexible within that company. Which is yeah. fantastic. For for that exact reason, you say that. Guess who's the vice president of sales development who runs the entire six hundred uh, sales reps at ZoomInfo? This guy named is Brian Vital, uh, and he was the first SDR uh, working on that project at Aliup with us. And he's a great friend. He was at my wedding a month ago, and I can tell wow. you that uh, it's you know we call them Aliup alumni. We celebrate yes. people leaving yeah. because we know again it is an entry level job for many. Uh, it is a starting point in your sales career for many. And, uh, you know, we say, hey, we we celebrate your, you know, your your travels to the next uh, career path. And we have been hopefully a big part of your career path. And we call them Aliup alumni. And a lot of them uh, come back to us on our all hands meeting every month and talk about what they're doing now. And many of them are CEOs, VPs, directors. You know, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, I started my career off as an SGR when I was first, you know, coming out of college, making a point, setting up appointments for a guy uh, out of the phone book. I feel I'm that old now, but uh, wow. yeah, it uh, it is definitely a great start to a career, and we do attract some amazing talent who've turned into some really long term success stories. So, Gabe, here's here's a really interesting, and and we said before we press record that we don't know where this is going to go because I might go off the reservation, and this is a, a point where I might go off the reservation. Fair enough. Ask away. I'm ready. <laughs> um, there's a lot of there's a lot of sales leaders around who are very protective of their team because their team makes them look good. Yeah. What you've just been describing is, I guess, the antithesis of that, saying, hey, we don't want to ring fence our SDRs. In fact, we want them to be so good that they are so marketable in the marketplace that other people are going to try and grab them, but we're going to let that happen yeah. um, because they're always going to talk great things about you. So what would you say, based on your experience, so starting from an SDR, now running Alleyoop and and talking about some of the people you've just alluded to, what would you say to sales leaders today who perhaps are looking at their team and thinking, you know what, right now my team are delivering great results. I've got some fantastic people. I have to keep them in this organization because right now they're making me look good. Right. What's well, the message I go for back them? To, well, I go back to the sports analogy, right? I don't know of any company or I'm sorry, any team that isn't always recruiting. And a mentor of mine told me a long time ago, I, he was very successful, multimillionaire. And I was you know, 21 years old and I met this guy and I'm like, hey, man, get me, tell me one sentence of advice that you can teach me, right? I was actually, it was funny. He was at this sales seminar and I was walking into a cab and he was actually calling a cab as well. And I said, hey, don't take it, take it. He's like, ah, hop in with me. I'm like, oh my God. It was like the speaker at this conference. I was freaking out. And I said, just tell me one thing, you know, was why I got, I literally four minutes of your time. And he said, never stop recruiting. 
That's what he told me. And, you know, so if you have a team and you're very protective, I get it. But there is no team in anything or anywhere that doesn't break up or doesn't move on. So, yeah, yeah, protected. And and by the way, culture is important. Keep them going as long as you possibly can. But don't assume that that's going to last forever. So continually recruit and continually find the best next up and comers and create a mentorship program to Mm -hmm. keep those uh, people you want in your company because people like being mentors and people like to lead. And I think creating internal mentorship programs will not only bring in some great recruiting opportunities for new people in the next wave of leaders, but also keep those leaders you really want to keep in place because they always like giving back. Yeah. Great answer. Because what you don't want to do is keep the people who don't want to leave. And certainly exactly. invest. Don't in, what, what's the adage? Because um, I heard this not long ago. What if we what if we train and develop these people and they leave? Right. What if we don't train them and they stay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Before. Yeah. So, You're, it, it's either way, it's a bad decision, right? So <laughs> I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. But it's funny, I'll tell you a story if I if I could. Yeah, that absolutely. idea of offboarding and uh, our SDRs onto our clients did not come as a brilliant idea. Um, it actually was because we got punched in the face by a client. So we had a situation where everything was going great. And we were in yeah. that mode where like, oh, we got to keep it together. And we were up for the renewal for this company. And every like literally, there's no way they were not going to renew because we were crushing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they didn't renew. And I'm like, what? And all of a sudden, they poached our entire team behind our backs. Wow. So not only did they not renew the five reps that we had working for this client, all put in their resignations on the same day and went to go work at that client. And it's interesting, the company's not even business anymore. They got a lot of funding and they, you know, put a lot of dollars in their pockets. It wasn't the best way of doing it, but you know, money sometimes makes people make those decisions. But the long story short is like, I was so pissed. Like I'm like, okay, we're suing them. They can't do this. Like we have contracts and I was livid. Yeah, But I realized I took a step back and I reflected. I'm like, this is going to happen anyway. And I was yeah. doing what we were saying. Like I was trying to control the team. Like this is going to happen anyway. So why not like not only allow it to happen, but make money in the process, keep the customer happy. And here's what happened. If they hire one of our reps and convert them into an account executive, guess what yeah. that happens? It, all, it opens up another spot of that sales development rep who needs to be backfilled. So right. we can- you know, so it's, it's like a, it's like a complete funnel, hundred percent. And you're still relevant to that organization now. Probably the company you were talking about, there was, might have been some questionable ethical things yeah. around that. But yep. what you're talking about, because the the other question I had is for organizations, you know, what's what's what do you believe? And we might have already touched on this, but probably for the bigger organizations, yeah, why do you believe they? are encouraged or attracted by an alley-oop type model versus creating that in-house? Is it because they they don't have the time, the budget, or the patience to build that capability in-house and then just want to purchase that because you happen to be a niched um, expert in that particular yeah. marketplace? Or are there other reasons? Because at some point, as you, as you sort of alluded to, they're going to say, hey, we can do this internally. We've got the quality of people. Let's just go and bring these people from Alleyoop in and we'll pay them directly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we know that they are probably going to want to do this themselves one day. And we sell it, like we said, we celebrate that and say, hey, listen, 
you know, you're going to work with us until I always look at it as like anything you outsource, you know, you, your companies usually outsource marketing and accounting day one. Right. Mm. And that's usually what they do day one. Well, you can do other things too, like us, like sales, you can actually outsource. And, you know, we're not asking to be the AEs. Like we're not asking to be the experts. We're just being the front end. Uh, so you still have a lot of control of the com on those conversations, but yeah, we have, we, we just create them an opportunity where they can, you know, bring them back in and, and the big companies usually come to us, frankly, because of cost yeah. um, when they're trying to launch a new product or launch a new market or test something that they don't know if it's going to work. You know, they don't want to put a ton of money on their payroll for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, our contracts are only four months. Okay. And again, we're, we're also less expensive than if you did it by yourself Yeah. because of our buying power, because of our tech partnerships. And so we can come in and say, hey, You'll save money if you did it yourself. And secondly, if it doesn't work out or if you want to bring it in-house, you can do it for a shorter period of time than putting all this payroll on your on your bottom line. It's a um it's almost like a test and measure, a split testing for want of a better term as well. 100%. And as you as you were talking about that, Gabe, I just happened to notice um that on, on your LinkedIn, you actually yeah. put a there's a bit of a challenge there. Yeah. Putting up the alley oop SDRs against anybody else, and there's a there's a five hundred dollar payment to the winner. <laughs> to the yeah, winner. so here's it's interesting. There's this company called Salesfinity, and I, I'm friends with the CEO. And yesterday they did a um, a battle over what data is better, Zoom Info or Apollo. And there are six hundred people live on this the live cold calling battle for an hour on LinkedIn. And the results were pretty amazing, by the way. And then I, I was talking to him today and I said, hey, I want to be a part. Of, I want to sponsor the next battle. And he said, well, it's next week. I said, great. I want one of my reps going against uh, two other guys. And whoever wins, I'm going to I'm going to pay the rep 500 bucks. So we're sponsoring this next battle. It's going to be really, really fun. And it really, I think it also exposes what cold calling is all about, because I think a lot of people, you know, forget the challenging part of cold calling and uh it's 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 going to be a fun one so we, we th we're throwing that challenge out there and we got a lot of people participating next week sensational i'll uh, i'll actually um i'll actually keep a bit of an eye on that yeah please do awesome awesome now you mentioned you mentioned before a lot of different channels that you that you um talk about and obviously one of those is is cold calling sure um what do you think in today's marketplace? And, it, and it, it's probably a really wide question and hence it, it might be a wide answer. Um, yeah. But for organizations, is it horses for courses? And is it something that we need, need to really do some testing around? Or based on your experience, is there one common outreach um, process or method or channel that is now having more throughput or more impacts than perhaps others at the moment? Yeah. So we make about 150,000 phone calls a day as a company and about, Whoa. yeah. And by the way, I, I do, we, we send more emails than that. So we do a lot of prospecting and um, I will tell you out of all the meetings that we're booking on a daily basis or quarterly or monthly, however you want to look at it, uh, over 85% of the meetings booked are through the phone. Wow. Now, I'm not saying phone is the only way you should prospect. Yeah. What I am saying, though, is phone is the best way to get a nurtured prospect uh, to execute to say yes. 
So it makes sense to send them a note on email. It makes sense to send them a voice note on LinkedIn. It yeah. makes sense to maybe create a custom video to humanize it and to get between the, the noise of normalized email yeah. uh, and send them a video. And then you do all of those things and then you get them on the phone and then you're not a cold call anymore. You're, you know, Darren, the guy who sent me the note yesterday and also sent me an email and asked me to connect on LinkedIn. And so you all, maybe you're a stalker. I have no idea, but you definitely <laughs> want to get old. And, but all of those things, right? I always say that's the recipe. You yeah. know, there's not just a silver bullet, um, but statistically based on the data, majority of uh, meetings booked still today is still through the phone. Um, but of course, all of those other channels and more are super important to nurture that prospect. Uh, and again, we don't like the word cold call because no one wants to do cold calls, but warm yeah. calls are fine. And yeah. so, <laughs> so that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, and, and then from what you just talked about, it's not necessarily a, a unsolicited brand new, never heard of me because we would have done some form of nurturing. Um, right. And in a typical process, because I know there'll be people listening to this and saying, well, okay, what's what's the normal in the instant gratification society in 2023? You know, I'm under pressure to get my sales target. I've got to get my appointments. I don't have time, Gabe, to nurture, right? So I need to get on the phone and my boss is, is chewing my ass to say, I need five appointments yeah. in the next two days. What's going on? Um, yeah. What sort of timeline do we do we think is is appropriate to, I guess, deliver some consistent conversion rates? Well, that's two questions. So, I mean, the, I'll tell you both. Uh, if you have you're under the pressure and you need appointments in two days, I would say picking up the phone is the fastest way to get someone to say yes. Yeah. Um, however, we always use what we call the popcorn analogy here. And the popcorn analogy is really, really simple. If you take a bag of popcorn and you put it in the microwave, it takes three minutes to cook to have a full bag of popcorn. And it's actually a trick question. The answer is that's not true. It's three consistent minutes. And what I mean by that is if you cook it for a minute and then you take it out and inspect the bag and then you do it again for another minute and you take it out and you inspect the bag and you do it for the third minute, no kernels have popped. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you have to, you have to cook it for three consecutive minutes. Right. And in the last minute is where the magic happens. So that analogized to three months. So the first month in prospecting, you're not going to get anything to pop. And that's where, you know, our clients start getting really jittery and saying, Hey, I just invested all of this into this program. We're at a month in and nothing is happening. Well, like, this is not working. And I said, give me two more months. And that's why we do four month agreements. Not because we like that, the number yeah. it's because that we know that's the minimum number we need to make it work with onboarding. Right. Yeah. So minute two, you start seeing some kernels starting to pop third month in. Um, if you're not seeing a true amount of fruit for that labor, speaking of plants, uh, then, then there's a problem. And so that's how we, uh, that's how we prospect in 90 day cycles. Nice. Um, Makes so much sense. And I think cool. as, as sales leaders, we need to have a bit of patience and yeah. set the right expectations, particularly when we're managing upwards. Uh, and you'd, you'd like to think that a lot of CTOs and CROs and CEOs would have that level of patience, but they're also driven very uh, much by the bottom line and, and the sure. pressure that's there for, whether it's direct or implied pressure. 
Um, but I think that makes sense because if you if you're then thinking about well, I'm not going to be spending a huge amount of time just cold calling. I'm actually going to use a multi pronged approach to create value, to create curiosity, and then yep. when I reach out, they're more likely to, if there's a match, answer the phone, and there might be a conversation we can have. So you want to hear a number? It's sixteen. And the number 16 represents the amount of touches it takes on average to get someone to say yes, just to the demo. And a touch in our world is all the things we talked about in the different channels. So a voicemail, a call, a, you know, a, a note, a LinkedIn connection, 16 touches on average before someone says, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down with you. And so if you think about that, you know, that takes weeks to even accomplish you know, and, and you said CTOs and we work a lot with technology companies. So if I'm talking to like those CEOs who are super product driven, mm. usually they're developers, frankly. Yeah. And I talked to them, I said, listen, when you build a technology, you build the software, you build a platform, you're running, you know, a scrum or some sort of agile method system, you know, methodology, a life cycle of software developers. Yeah. You expect your software to be done in, in, in a month? Of course not. You know, it's built uh, through a patience of prospecting, or should I say of sprints yeah. that take time and you fail a lot. And yeah. all of a sudden, at the end of all of those sprints and check-ins and continuations of failing, you know, three, four months from now, you can have a workable product. And that is exactly how prospecting works. And as soon as I say that to a uber technical person who doesn't understand sales, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And so that helps. It does. It probably doesn't help for a um, an impatient chief revenue officer who wants the bottom line and says, hey, we have the yeah. best product. What do you mean you've got to touch your customers 16 times before they resonate with it? Just, yeah. just sell them the product. Now, yeah. the other part of that is um, statistically how many people actually give up after the first, second, third, or even fourth contact. Well, that's a thing. And, and it's interesting because we talked about our role, right? The sales development rep. If it's their physical job and only job to prospect it's much lower of a chance for them to give up if your job is to present and demo and you got like five deals that you're working and you're you have no time right now and you got to get these things closed and you got to get product in here to get the deal closed they, yeah. they get all like that's why they go up and down right it's like lobster this month and you know yeah. you know feast or famine the next month right it's reality is, is they get all bogged down with all of the great pipeline they have and then it's it just dries up 90 days from now because they weren't prospecting. Yeah. So that's why it's important to have your a prospecting program consistently working and consistently cooking that popcorn every single month where you're going to have a lot of dry spells and it gets those CROs really ticked off. Yeah, which is why it takes time and you got to have patience. Um and yeah. most business people you'd think would have that well you'd think would have that level of patience. Now Here's a um. Here's another question because I know that uh, artificial intelligence is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and whether it's Chat GPT or others and so forth. Yeah. Um, love your thoughts in the space that you operate in relation to how AI fits, complements, or because a lot of people are thinking and saying, "Oh, AI, they're going to take over the world, and we won't need salespeople anymore, and I can I can have a conversation with my long deceased grandmother and so forth, which is which may be true and the technology is there, but how do you see AI playing a role in the SDR frameworks? Yeah. Well, I'm a huge fan of AI, even though most people would think I'm not because I'm in the people business. But you know, AI, I look at it like marketing automation was a decade ago. 
you know, Marketo was invented and everyone said, salespeople are done, you know, marketing, marketing automate, everyone's just going to get an email and everyone's just going to sign up and know some more salespeople. And that would literally happen a decade ago. And all of a sudden, everyone's putting all their time and energy and building these huge marketing automation platforms and market automation, you know, cadences and sequences and laying off salespeople. And then it backfired uh, big time. And no one was, you know, closing and marketing, you know, dollars started drying up again. And what happened was is they realized that it's it's a tool to enhance a, a salesperson, but it's not a replacement of. Now, is that exactly what's going to happen with AI? Not right now. In the future, maybe. I'm not a fortune teller. But I yeah. look at it as AI as just as that, a tool that allows us to do things. Like right now, Zoom is a tool. Like I couldn't, you know, it would take me a lot of hours to fly to come do this podcast face-to-face -face, uh, physically. Now we have cool tools, but still we need the, you know, people to execute on a lot of the sales process. And, you know, I've been hearing these AI calls and I think it sounds cool, but if an AI person called me up, would you really book the meeting? I don't know. I'm not there yet, you know? And so I think it's great to help for relevancy. I think it's great to help for messaging, for personalization. Uh, that Those are all great things, especially for entry-level salespeople who don't have yeah. probably the best writing skills ever because they're yeah. still new. Yeah. Um, it definitely helps with that. But am I going to rely on, you know, AI uh, bots, you know, booking all my meetings for high level product, you know, d demonstrations? Not, not right now. No, no, because at the end of the day, um, we're probably a little bit old school, Gabe, and that people love still to do business with people who they know they like and they trust. Right. So they want to have that human to human interaction. It's funny you said that because now everyone's like B2C, right. Or B2B. And I've been seeing all over the place, it's H to H, yeah. which is human to human. I think actually AI, what it's actually doing, it is creating a human to human relevancy more so than ever before yeah. and creating the importance of human to human uh, yeah. because, you know, people are, are, are not, want, you know, it's, there's a divide. Sure. Um, am I going to have an SDR use chat GPT to write a better email? A hundred percent. Am I going to, you know, not have that SDR make phone calls because we can use bots to do it? Not right now, no. <laughs> well, I reckon, and that comes back to that human to human thing you just mentioned because, you know, if you've done the nurturing campaign well and you've used the technology that's available to build the credibility, there's going to be a high level of interest or or um, curiosity in the eyes of the prospect, so that when there is an opportunity to have a human interaction they're probably going to take it because 100%. I reckon they've gone, the, a lot of organizations have gone completely the other direction and say, let's, let's create an opportunity to, for our customers to self-serve. We want to make it harder for our customers to talk to us because we get efficiencies if they can self-serve or we have frequently asked questions or just go to our website and, you know, sort out your problems there, get your answers that you need. I think human-to-human -human communication in 2023 is as weird as it sounds, a clear differentiator. 100%. Absolutely. And I think companies who use, uh, you know, humans for their sales process will stand above the ones who do not. Um, you know, I, I keep getting emails from the same company. I just am not interested. But all of a sudden that one company called me up and had a, a good conversation. And I instantly became interested. You know, what happened? Well, someone did the work to pick up the phone. I don't know about you, but it's like, I feel like, it's almost like that respect level 
Like if I get a prospect and, and they do a good job, it's like, I'll take the meeting just because they actually did a good job or really put in the effort. Um, and then maybe I'll buy, you know? And, and so that's what I look for. It's not as much as anything else other than just, are you really giving a shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do you care? You know? hundred percent. Cause it, it's so easy to, to send a text send a, uh, yeah. a Facebook message, uh, a Slack message or teams message, whatever the case might be. But to take the time to either pick up the phone or go and eyeball somebody says, you know what? I value you. You're important and I respect you. And I want to actually have a conversation with you. Yeah. That creates an impression. Yeah. All of our uh, reps actually pretty much say that in their first sentence when making a cold call. And it completely stops the prospect in their, in their shoes. You know, a lot of, cause everyone else isn't doing that. Everyone else yeah. is just saying, Hey, I'm, you know, Gabe, I'm calling with this company and here's, you know, do you have 30 seconds? It's like, everyone says that. And yeah. now it's like, Hey, Darren, uh, this is Gabe. Um, listen, I'm a real human here. Uh, it was actually my boss asked me to speak out, uh, to reach out to you by name uh, because he wanted to meet with you over a cup of coffee. I know you're super slammed, but do you have a quick moment to tell you why I'm calling? Now, if I said that to you, genuinely, authentically, empathetically, and was super specific about making that call to you, mm. you're going to listen to what I'm about to say. Absolutely. And that's how we approach it. And it works. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it says, wow, you're different. Mm -hmm. And it's not 100%. about, and the thing is, and this is, uh, and uh, we're going to wrap up in a second, but oh, sorry, there are sorry. so many people who will make that outbound call and yeah. it'll make it all about them. But as 100%. soon as you make it all about the prospect and you make them feel valued, they're more likely to be intrigued and curious about what is next. If you notice when I made that call, that hypothetical, I never even said my name. Or who no. I was calling from. No. <laughs> right. I never said anything. I didn't, you don't even know my name. You don't even know the name of my company, but I guarantee you, you're going to say, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say just yeah. the way I said it. Cause you made it about me, which is, yep. which is fantastic. So mate, um, but is it okay? Two more questions. Sure. I've got two questions that just popped into my, into my cranium. Um, my family's but... sleeping over here in New York, so we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is nearly midday here, so that means it must be nearly 10, 8, 10 p.m. Yeah, Over it's there. it's 10 p.m., yep. Man, and you still look like it's – you've been up, you just, you're just firing, you're ready to go to another meeting, I reckon. I'm ready to go. Still on fire, my friend. <laughs> I run on pure adrenaline. <laughs> Love it. Um, hey, the second last question is looking looking from now into the next 12 months, what do you think sure. What do you think some of the, I guess, the, the challenges are that – Companies, whether they be small or large, and specifically sales leaders, are going to be having to grapple with as we move into the back half of 2023 and into 24. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, specifically in the States right now, things are really tough. There's a lot of turbulence happening economically, and a lot of companies are saying, you know, we just don't have the budget, we don't have the investment. But it's interesting, there's a lot of noise there. Uh, but we're looking at different, um, you know, statistics and different reports and a lot of surveys that are going out, they're saying companies are spending money, more money. Companies are wanting to spend more money in early 2024. And uh, so we're very excited about seeing those numbers. And we are also excited that, you know, companies need to focus right now on spending more money on sales. And I know that sounds self-serving, but the reality is, is like, that's how you're going to get out of this mess is to double down if possible, financially into the 
into the fundamentals of what's going to drive revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about who has the latest and greatest features anymore. It's not about like who has the latest and greatest branding or cool logos. It's truly about like who has the amount of revenue that's driving more and more and more every month. Yeah. And, you know, I see some companies right now that just have ugly websites and, and maybe like you know, their, their technology is probably not the most, you know, attractive or more robust, but what they're doing is two things. They're spending a lot of time on client services and onboarding and making sure that retention is high, which of course is that bottom line uh, as yeah. a result. And it working with companies like ours, we're building it themselves to drive new business. And I think that's whoever does that the best is going to be able to weather this storm, come out on the positive, and then they can make themselves look pretty online and, and have a, more features. But it's about bottom line right now. And I think uh, we have a good opportunity to help sales leaders get that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. Um, and the last one, mate, is... Uh, well, it might be two parts, but I'll just ask it anyway. Um, if people yeah. are listening to this, want to know more about the world famous um, with guitar, with real plant, Gabe Lulu, Gabe Lulu, and more about uh, Aliu, where is the best place for people to find you and connect? Yeah, actually, my LinkedIn and my website, uh, my name, GabeLulo.com, goes right to my LinkedIn. Super simple. Okay. So if you just go to GabeLulo.com, it goes right to my LinkedIn. I'm, I'm highly engaging there. And then if you go to our website, it's Aliyoop.io. Again, that's Aliyoop.io. Uh, team super responsive, and we got a lot of great material. Uh, we actually built a nice website before all of this stuff happened. So we have some great information. So I think we look good online. And uh, there's a lot of great content and great case studies. And uh, love to, you know, again, put your, what we do is we essentially do a free assessment of your prospecting program for the next six months and determine whether or not can we help and if not we'll at least give you some great advice on what to do if you needed to do it yourself yeah brilliant all right mate i'll uh, i'll put those in the show notes it's been an absolute uh pleasure i'm glad we uh glad we finally got to do this because we had some technology or some uh calendar issues uh in the last couple of weeks but it's been an absolute pleasure and i greatly appreciate you staying up because it is family time and um, uh, enjoy the rest of your Thursday into Friday. And um, Gabe Lulo, thanks very much for being such a wonderful guest on the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Thank you, Darren. It's been a pleasure, man. Cheers, mate. Good on you. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.